Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Hello, and thank you for listening to our latest installment of the Parent Engage 360 podcast. I'm Liz Burgard, the Parent Involvement Coordinator. I'm excited to chat today with Dr. Kate McGuire, the Interim Superintendent of Anoka Hennepin Schools, about getting the school year started, tips for parents and guardians, and some things we have to look forward to this year. Thanks for being here, Kate. You're welcome, Liz. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. With your vast experience in schools and the educational system, can you tell the listeners about your background? Yes, I have served Minnesota school students, public school students, for nearly 40 years. I began as a teacher. I served in a variety of administrative capacities over the years, and then uh, mostly next door in Osseo area schools. And I finished my career there and retired in uh, 2018 after serving 14 years in the assistant superintendent and superintendent positions, eight years as superintendent, and then six years previous to that as assistant superintendent. So my entire career has been dedicated to the students in Minnesota. And I'm sure in that career, you've learned a lot of things about being a teacher, about being an administrator, about supporting students and families as our world has changed a lot in the last 40 years. Absolutely. I'm One thing hasn't changed. I'm a social studies teacher by trade early on. That was uh, as a teacher. And one thing hasn't changed. I'm still convinced about the idea that public education is essential to the very foundation of our democracy. And I'm not sharing that because of a contemporary discourse around that right now. I'm sharing that because I have always believed that to my core since my very earliest training and teaching as a social studies teacher. And it sounds like that has stayed with you throughout all of your different roles and experiences in education. It drives me. I remember every day that it's about the students We have the privilege to serve and the importance of our work in preparing them for success. That kind of leads us right into our next question is what drew you to serve as the Anoka Hennepin Interim Superintendent? I decided to apply for the interim position after looking at the mission of the school district. I also looked at the scorecard data to understand the current reality. Where are we currently with students in the measures that we value most? And then I studied the equity achievement plan and the strategic priorities that have been approved by the school board. And what I'll tell you is this, that I was inspired by the mission, which is to effectively educate each of our students for success. I was encouraged by the data on our current reality. The district has managed to make gains in a number of areas, despite the last two years of historic disruption. And finally, I was drawn in by the equity achievement plan and the strategic priorities, which are intended to close the gaps in achievement and other indicators between the current reality and the mission, where we wanna be our preferred future with kids. And the work outlined in those strategic priorities and the equity achievement plan are aligned with my experience 
an area of passion in public education. So from all of the things that you just mentioned, it sounds like you thought about where you had and the experience you had and then looked at all the great things that Anoka Hennepin had in place and tried to match up the two to figure out if it would be a good fit to as to something to apply for because it is a one-year commitment. That's exactly right. I wanted to make sure that um, it was a place where I wanted to be, obviously, and where I could make a contribution to students uh, in the state of Minnesota and nearby, of course. And I also thought about what the school district needs. Now, I don't know all of that, obviously, because I'm I'm a new newbie to the school district. But I looked at the uh, position description, obviously. I talked to a number of people and tried to gauge whether or not I could make a contribution to an already strong staff and an already strong school district with strong systems and processes in place. And I decided that perhaps there was indeed a place that I might add some value to an already great place. We're really glad you're here and, and filling this role for the time being. Thank you. I know that it's also interesting when you're in Osteo, which is a, a district right next to ours, which has similar size, a lot of similar programming, but districts are so different. Schools are so different. And so it's um, also important, as you mentioned, to understand that the school district is a great place. There's strong staff and there's strong schools, but there's also work that we need to continue to do. That's exactly right. And I know you started in July and you've hit the ground running. There's a lot of people to meet. There's a new staff that are coming. There's students to serve. Um, in your first few months here, what are some of the things that you have learned and what are some of your takeaways? Well, having served more than 30 years next door, I had some familiarity with the communities served by Anoka Hennepin Schools and some knowledge about the district itself. I know that this is a great place with strong staff and programs and a very supportive community. Over the last 60 days, I have had the opportunity to meet with school board members, cabinet members, principals, and literally hundreds of staff members, both at the ESC and at sites uh, where I visited school buildings and I've greeted large groups of staff members who are returning to work for the school year. So here's what I would say are some of my big takeaways so far. First, staff members at all levels are positive about Anoka Hennepin schools and value the relationships that they've developed with colleagues over the years. The feedback that I've received so far is a match to our organizational core values of respect, responsibility, appreciation for diversity, integrity, and compassion. The value staff place on relationships is important because it has a positive impact on school and district culture. Second, the strategic priorities and the equity achievement plan approved by the school board target areas for improvement that show up in our data. In other words, we're doing the right work based on the gaps that we have identified in our data. In addition, Anoka Hennepin Schools has human and financial resources that are aligned to those strategic priorities. And this is really important to ensure that we're using our resources in a focused and effective and efficient way. And then lastly, I would say that the district is really focused on continuous improvement. There's an excellent process in place and we're always examining our work, seeking feedback, critically reflecting, trying to figure out how to get even better. We use those systems and processes in place. We have a, a 
extensive use of data to inform decisions both at the district and the building level. And that's important because it really keeps us focused on improvement. Sounds like you've learned a lot in your first 60 days and met a lot of really great people that, that are doing the work each and every day to support our students to become lifelong learners. Every single day I'm learning new things, which I greatly <laughs> enjoy. And there's a lot of things still to learn. Definitely. From your time as an educator, what recommendations do you have for parents and guardians to help their children have a successful school year? I really appreciate that question. Here's what I'd say. I always start with the basics. It is critical for parents and caregivers to ensure healthy habits related to eating, sleeping, and exercising. We know that students who get a good night's sleep and work some exercise into their routine during the day are likely to be more productive in school. Good nutrition, of course, keeps those young brains growing in a healthy way. And ensuring healthy habits around sleeping isn't easy. It requires families to set limits on the use of technology and the use of social media. And I do not pretend to suggest that that's easy <laughs> to set or enforce limits uh, as a family. I, I do not mean to suggest that that is easy at all. It's, it's complex. At the same time, there's so much current research about the importance of sleep, not, not only for youth, right? We know that's true now about adults as well. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're more and more knowledgeable. And the other thing that I often talk about with families is this idea of nurturing an academic identity. Children need to develop an idea of who they are as scholars. As a parent, for example, I tried to make sure that my kids had a sense of who they were as family members, who they were as individuals, and who they were as participants in a faith community or a sports team community, for example. So just like we do other things um, as parents and caregivers to help kids develop a sense of self-identity and confidence, it's super important to nurture this sense of academic identity. Who am I as a scholar when I show up in school? There's some easy ways for parents and caregivers uh, to be intentional about nurturing an academic identity, even at a really young age. Things like talking to children about the importance of school and being clear about expectations regarding engagement at school. Uh, things like being really explicit in naming behaviors that are linked with school success when you see them. So for example, when you see a child demonstrating perseverance and learning a new skill, you might let them know that you've noticed that and say something like, hey, you really stuck to that until you figured it out. Good job. You're demonstrating perseverance. Or for example, when a child finishes a book, you finished your book. I could tell that you needed to sound out some new words. Reading is such an important way for you to be successful in school or saying something simple like, you're a good reader. So there's a number of things that parents and caregivers and people who care about children can do to support that concept of an academic identity. Who, who is this child? How, who do you want this child to be when they show up in school as a scholar? And this idea that uh, being a scholar, being a student 
is part of my identity, part of who I am and, and nurturing that. I think those, those things are super important. And I think that they're a really great point of easy things that I should be thinking about as a parent, right? Like I know school's coming and it's going to start next week on Tuesday and I need to be thinking about my, my child's sleep habits. And that's something that I, it's hard to change, but it's something that I can change or to have conversations and just to talking with your student about their day or what they're learning in school. And just having those conversations are things that we can all do as parents to really help support our students to become lifelong learners, scholars, and understanding their identity and who they are. Absolutely. In addition to parents and caregivers who who may be with a student on a daily basis, grandparents, Mm -hmm. aunts and uncles, cousins, uh, right? It takes a village to come around kids and help them be successful. I always tell people that the more caring adults we have coming around children to help them be successful, the better off they're all going to be. So even, even employers, if we have older students who are working jobs, even employers can do things to nurture this sense of academic identity in our students. Kind of in that same vein of, of parents and guardians and, and caregivers supporting students, um, for those that are listening to the podcast, how would you approach this school year after experiencing two years of varying learning models? Um, it's been, a, a, we've talked about it a lot, the pandemic really changed a lot of things with school and our approach to school and our understanding of school. What are some tips that you might give to parents that are thinking about a new school year and, and normal, quote unquote, of, of what that might look like? From my perspective, I think one of the first things that we can all do is acknowledge uh, the anxiety and the disruption that has affected our world, our nation, and our local communities, and the idea that it's had a very real impact on all of us, and in particular on our children. Uh, so certainly it's important to acknowledge that even with kids, uh, to let them know that it's okay, that you might be experiencing a wide range of emotions as we get back to this thing that we're referring to as our new normal, especially as it relates to school. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly normal under any circumstances to feel some anxiety and some excitement about coming back to school. Well, coming back to school after a pandemic, even though we were in school part of the year last year, off and on, adds even a level of increased perhaps nervousness on the part of a a child or a student about what can be expected and what's ahead of us. So just, I think, first of all, just acknowledging for all of us that that's a reality and it impacts who we are and how we behave and how we interact and how we think about getting up each morning and going to work and going to school and that it's okay to feel a wide range of emotions around that. I think in addition, that idea of nurturing a self-concept now about um, academic identity. Who, who are you when you show up at school every day? What are the expectations of this family? What are the expectations of this caregiver? What does our family uh, think about participating in school and the importance of school and the importance of success in school, the importance of problem solving in school? So building that up with our students at all ages is is an important step that can be taken as we work to get back to a new normal. I also think that it's helpful uh, for 
caregivers and family members to talk about problem solving. How do we, as, as we reenter and build this new normal in school again, uh, how do we problem solve as we come back together? How do we problem solve with peers? How do we problem solve with adults? You know, how do we work collaboratively? And that kind of comes back to a last piece about engagement, family engagement with schools. I think schools have a responsibility to reach out and to help families make this transition and students make this transition. And I'm hopeful that families and parents and caregivers will also re-engage with school, right? Our mm -hmm. schools are open. They're, they're back open for parent volunteers. They're back open for visits. They're back open for lunch in some cases there. Uh, we're back open for business and we want to have our families understand what's happening in our schools and the, the strengths and the challenges of our schools so that we can work with our families as partners in helping all of our students succeed. Back to your first point about acknowledging the anxiety. I have a, one of my children is a third grader, so he has never had a, a regular, unquote, unquote, school year from kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all had varying learning, learning models. And so earlier this week, he was asking me some of those questions like, will I, will we have to do this this year? Or will we do this this year? Or will we be learning from home? And it's having some of those things of like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but having some of those conversations that was showing that he was probably having some anxiety around things that had changed each year in his learning. Right. Which is exactly the point you're making where we had some of those conversations as I was thinking about like, well, why would he be feeling this way? And then also that our schools are open and that it does take a community to support our students. It's going to take all of us to really help to shape our, our students and, and becoming lifelong learners and to move forward after they graduate from Anoka Hennepin schools. I would also share that um, principals and teachers and staff members in our buildings are ready for this. They're ready for this. I visited I can't tell you the number, <laughs> dozens of school buildings already. And everywhere I go, I'm talking with every adult that I see to learn about um, what's their journey in Anoka Hennepin schools, what's their current role, what do they love about the place, what do they want me to know, what are their hopes and dreams for the school year, how are they making a contribution to making those hopes and dreams come true. And I can tell you that our staff members are ready. They understand that they're going to be helping to transition students back to this new normal thing we call school. And they understand that they are going to have to take intentional actions to um, engage families, to build relationships with families and caregivers, to build community in their classroom and in their schools. Mm -hmm. How do we help students feel a sense of welcome and belonging in our schools? Our staff members understand that that's essential to school culture uh, and it's essential. It is foundational to helping students be successful in school. And I can tell you the staff members that I visited with so far, hundreds of them are intentional about this and understand that this is an important part of, of teaching and learning for the school year, helping people feel welcome, included, 
um, seen, valued, heard in our schools, and that we are a community again. Mm -hmm. We are uh, still, but again, because we're a new community now coming back. Mm -hmm. It's been fun working at the district office, having large groups of staff back in the back at the building doing professional development training and just seeing the excitement that you're talking about of of the work that we are doing and continuing but this the people seem to be really excited to be here and and having those same conversations with my colleagues and peers I, I feel that same energy and excitement that you're talking about is it's pretty awesome I feel it too it's one of the great things about being back I love this time of year <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you that people are coming back with a different sense of intentionality around building community and school and building positive school culture. That kind of leads right into our theme for the 2022-23 school year is live well, lead well, and learn well. What does this mean to you and how can our staff and students use this theme as a guiding principle as we begin the year and also intertwining it throughout this year? Well, our theme is about the idea that as adults who are dedicated to the care and growth of others, we need to take care of ourselves. As a leader, I need to be intentional about my own well-being in order to lead and care for the staff and the students that I'm committed to serving. So the idea of living well and learning well is, is certainly applicable to students uh, taking care of ourselves, whether we're adults or children, helps us to be better learners, and we're all learners, and that that's what we're all about. I think it's just a really great theme, and I know that I've seen teams been implementing it throughout their, their staff developments and just really trying to make sure that we as adults are in a good spot and are able to support ourselves and feel good about the work we're doing, and that really carries over into our students that we're serving and our colleagues and our peers as well. We're a relationship-based business, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's imperative that, because uh, we know that students learn best when they have positive relationships with their teacher, positive relationships with other school staff. We know that that enhances student learning, right? Mm -hmm. we've, we've known that a long time. So we're in a relationship-based business. As adults in, in this uh, school system or in any school system, it's really incumbent on us to be intentional about maintaining relationships with each other mm -hmm. because we're here to be working on behalf of students. And we do that by working on collaborative teams, by working in a collaborative manner, by working collaboratively between the central office and school sites, for example. When adults work in collaboration with each other and build positive relationships with each other, we know that that impacts, that's a leading indicator, and we know that it can impact student achievement. It certainly impacts school culture, uh, which helps students then to feel welcome uh, and a sense of belonging in school. Thank you for being here today and spending time with us to tell a little bit about yourself, the the what the year could look like and giving some tips for parents on behalf of the listeners and our staff and the no Hennepin community. Um, thank you. And we're just really excited to work under your leadership and your guidance this year as you um, continue to do the great work that's happened in our district, but carry it forward until a new superintendent will start potentially next July. Well, thank you, Liz. I, I appreciate uh being able to participate on the podcast and uh, share some information that I hope is helpful to staff and families as, as we begin the school year. And I just, I am so delighted to be a part of the work of Anoka Hennepin Schools for this school year. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.